Aleluya. Aloha, aloha, mai. Aloha, tato. I'm Noe Tanigawa. Oh, I hope you... I think you're going to love Harold Chang. We recorded this at Harold's girlfriend's pad on the Alawai in Honolulu. I was really looking forward to meeting him, a drummer. Harold Chang is kind of legendary on the Honolulu music scene. 94 in 2022. Harold's best known as a drummer for the Arthur Lyman Group. Their first album, Taboo, peaked at number six on the Billboard chart and stayed on that chart for over a year. The group got three gold albums all together and helped to define the whole genre that we now call exotica. Really happy to bring contemporary and classic flavors of exotica back in this podcast. We'll hear vibraphone or vibes player Arthur Lyman himself and we'll sample from various points in the infamous evolution of Don Tiki artists and links with the podcast notes. So we're starting in 1920s Hawaii Island. I started when I was eight years old, ten years old, because I saw Jane Cooper in the movies, and uh, I started banging around with my parents. Where did you grow up? Downtown Honolulu? Okay, even more weird, right? Your parents were thinking, what is with this kid? Yeah, well, you know, Chinese family, eh? and you figure they'd never allow that. My sister was a school teacher, principal, you know, my everybody. But me, the black sheep playing drums, and my father's just a second generation. But one thing, they never discouraged me. Surprising, which is good. Before in the olden days, in the 30s, the 40s, they used to uh, send beginning teachers to the outer island to teach. You know, you know that, that's <laughs> Practice a Practice on you guys. That's right. We had a cousin, <laughs> and so she she was in Pahoa teaching, and in the olden days, it takes, uh, you know, half a day to come to, from Pahoa to Hilo. So on weekends, my father, it was her cousin, his cousin, would invite her over to stay at the house on Saturday and Sunday and go back, you know. So she was a music teacher, and she found out I liked playing drums, so she bought me a pair of drumsticks, my first pair of drumsticks. But I was using, before that, chopsticks, you know, to play around the pots and pans just meet around trying to imitate what I saw in the movies, you know. And that's how it started. And then when I, uh, when I was 12 years old, I went to seventh grade, uh, Hilo Intermediate School, and there was a teacher there. Her first year of teaching was Emma Lou Drake. She married him, and she became Emma Lou Johnson. She taught McKinley, Roosevelt, and just having that in later years, she was Arthur Lyman's band music teacher at the McKinley, I think with Gabe and all those guys, you know. She was a real musician? She was, yeah, she was. And tough, she was only five feet tall, but she was like a drill sergeant, man. She was the band teacher for Healy Intermediate School. And when she came on board, man, she, uh, we had the best, best band in Hilo. <laughs> she was really, you know, military, yeah? She was, oh. she was in a wax. Oh, I before, see. Yeah. But anyway, in three to six months, she took my Halloween music completely. And I became a number one drummer. From the seventh grade on. Through high school? High school at Urban Cavallo. He was a drum, which was good because when I went there, I was in a band. He told me, Harold, since you already played percussion, learn another instrument. So, okay, I took trumpet. And that helped me later on when I played with Arthur Lyman. I graduated high school in 1946, June. I graduated in June, I tweaked to August. Then I volunteered in September, I went in the Army because they were offering GI Bill. Right, what year was this? 1946. 46, so right at the end of the war. Three months into my basic training, you know, I just was learning how to march and everything else. The commander, General Hall, the commander of the Pacific Forces, was his, that was his headquarters for Chaffner. Because the war was over, his band of 28 men were being depleted. He needed to buffer up because we had, we had to play reviews for the general. We had to do all kinds of stuff. So he came to my commander, thing, and he said, uh, I need these three men. And all three of us were from Hilo, were all classmates. We all played good musicians, three of us. David Bosque, Clement Cavalier, and me. Good musician. all three of us were very good musicians. So Did you play together? From Hilo, we had a group there. <laughs> There with Alma Clay Kuo, Lelani Ragsdale, Milton Carter, his sister, Anita Carter, his brother, Buddy Carter. We had a band. In Hilo? Yeah, called the Blue Flames. Blue Flames? Popular group. 
dance group. Well, what kind of music? Tell me the songs you played. Oh, the old songs, you know, as time goes by. The, the hits of the day, we played all American songs. Oh, really? As time goes by? Did you guys do it right? Yeah, because during that time in Hilo, that's how I learned to play the drum set. There's no teachers. The uh, Army, Navy, Marines, they'd send people over. They had camps there all around the island, around Hilo, and town especially. And they would rehearse all the time. And we had school only three days a week. And they were camped in one of the Hongranji schools. And I would go and watch the drummer, sit behind him and ask him questions, you know. And so I learned to play the drum set that way by watching the guy play. Oh, the, the, the military band rehearsals, yeah. you would go to them. Yeah, they played jazz. They played jazz. They would play for dances for the servicemen in Hilo, mm. you know. They, they'd go to the y, YWCA or play something like that. So, and so where play, did the Blue Flames play? Played the, on the, all the major dances on weekend and anybody. We where? Played, played in Hilo. We played in Onomea, played in Honoka. Those things used to be overnight gigs. Because <laughs> we had the old road, you know what I mean? Just the old road to Papaiko, Honomu, okay, for school dances. Oh, where were you? In like the school gym? Yeah. yeah. The cafeteria sometimes? Yeah, stuff like that, yeah. So the band would go and play these gigs. Awesome! And the whole community would turn out or just kids? The, uh, the kids, the high school kids and with their parents, you know. And we played a lot of those, those gigs like that. That's how we started. Music. So tell me the songs that you would play. You would play. It says As time so goes by, uh -huh. once in a while, satin doll, you know, jazz tunes or tunes from Broadway shows that were turned into jazz tunes, which is what the guys played in the 50s and 60s. How about Hawaiian music? Hawaiian music we did too. You did? Yeah. Yeah. Jazzy kind or jazzy regular kind. straight No, ahead? jazzy, because when I first got out of the army, I played with uh, Pua Amida's band, and uh, he was at the La Hula Rumba. Where's you, that? La Hula Rumba. There was a name of a club somewhere near Punchbowl. I, I can't remember. <laughs> and, and they played, and he was a steel guitar player, poor. Uh-huh. Famous Almeida. You heard of John K. Almeida? That was his sure. father. Sure. That was, his, that was his dad. Yeah. But poor was his kid, right? And he and he, swing, he liked to swing. And so he played all the Hawaiian music with a lot of swing things. Swing Hawaiian music and, and everything else. So that was my first gig out of the army. And in the army, I learned there were a lot of Filipino musicians there that lived in White Pao, all those places. So every weekend, I go with them to take me to play for Baby Luau and Pao. They were Filipino musicians, good local Filipino musicians. Locals, huh? Yeah, local Filipino musicians that played crazy. They were crazy, man. I became crazy like that. We were jamming at midnight in the pineapple fields in the middle of the road. Really? And that's how crazy we were to play jazz. In the middle of the road, I packed my genre. It's a, it's a strange story. That's how jazz was so interesting for us. We wanted to play so much. So in the middle of the pineapple fields in the road, there's nobody running back in 1946, 47, you know? So...
I, that's how I got in with them, Filipino guys, playing the jazz with them. How did they get into it? In the so, army band, we, we had to play jazz, as well as concert music and marching music. We play for the general, his reviews with the full marching band. Then at night, he split up into combos, a trio, a quintet, he had to play for his parties, anyone. And we go out in the, to the wide WCAs in uh, either quartet or quintet to play for the servicemen to dance with the women there. So that was our job. They assigned us to play in light time to go play in different places, yeah? And then Wednesday and Friday, we played at Malo Hill in for the music where they had a big pavilion and the big band played there twice a week. Was there a music scene in Honolulu? Oh, always was a music scene, yeah. Describe it. Well, in Honolulu, the music scene was mostly in Chinatown. In Honolulu in the 1940s and 50s, yeah. what? In Chinatown. There's a swing club, the Two Jacks, the Brown Derby. What were the clubs like? Just jazz, just jazz club. You go in there and you drink, you know. You, and the jazz group playing on stage. Huh. Actual local musicians? Local, and uh, they would bring in some uh, mainland jazz stars to come in. Not big names, but good jazz stars that played good jazz. Eddie Sartain, who was the owner of the Brown Derby on New Orleans Avenue, he brought in Louis Armstrong be before. He brought in all those people. I used to hang out there a lot. On New Orleans Avenue? Yeah, it was across the old theater. What was his name in the theater? Liberty Theater or something? It's not there anymore. It's where Mark's Garage is. What was where, New where Mark's Garage is? From Baratania to Hotel Suite, it was between there. There's a church now, but Eddie Sartain, Brown Derby was there. And across the street was is Mark's Garage now, but that way Liberty Theater used to be. The movie theater. Yeah. Oh. What other jazz clubs were there? Because I'm really, really interested in jazzy Hawaiian music and how that came up. Well, Bill Akamaho was had his band. He was a famous musician, Hawaiian guy. Akama? Yeah. Ho, he had the Bill. band at the Royal. And the they played Royal. all swing music, swing, pop songs, and they swung all the Hawaiian songs, too. You can't help but swing the Hawaiian song. It's so easy, you know? It is? Yeah, Hawaiian songs are easy. Uh, there's a very, the only one that you play real authentic would be the, the instrument when you use the bamboo song. Then you do an olapa beat, they do olapa beat. That's not swing. But any other song that you take, Hapa Haole song, Sweet Line, Beyond the Reef, it's all swing tunes. Like sweet lelani, heavenly flower. But the Hawaiian, sweet lelani, heavenly flower. Da 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 da. Bilakamaho, he had his band, so he arranged it like that. Hawaiian tunes, he made it swing. And Bing Crosby came along and mo it swang more, right? It sounds like, like we were pretty in step with what was going on, you know. Yeah, because influenced by the, by the military. So we were right up there with the yeah. contemporary music, with jazz. We were just... Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. because, and, and the a lot same of, and people were coming in yeah, and going... Yeah, going out, coming in, going out. Good musicians were coming in and going out. They were in the service. At night, they go to hotel suite, jam, you know? So that's how a lot of local guys learn how to play really good jazz because of the outsiders coming in, you know, black guys and white guys to play in on Hotel Street and all those places there. Uh-huh. So Hotel Street at night was not like now? No. In fact, it's changed. Physically, it's changed. When I got out of the Army, I went to university. I studied. I majored in pre-legal. I was going to go to law school. Before I got out, I was playing in a burlesque theater. In fact, I have a picture. They showed a picture a couple of years ago. I got it. Okay. Tin Pan Alley, it's called. Here in Hawaii? Yeah. And that's where the old Columbia Inn was. It started on Baratania Street. There was an alley that went down. It's a dark alley. I mean, it's, you know, it's spooky. And there's a theater, small theater down there, regular theater, stage theater. And Bill Ferreira was his name. He owned it. He would bring in uh, burlesque strip, strip kings and comedians. It was like a real burlesque house. You know, like Bob, all those guys started, the comedians started like that. They yeah, right. Three. And but so this that's was what down was like. some, is the lane still there? No. 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 Columbia Inn was on the top of that. 
Kanamien man, I remember. Then what's his name? Bill Kanashiro. Uh-huh. To was, but that was, he, that was his place. Intermission, all the girls were going in a bar and drink. And what was the name of that club? It was called Veritania Follies. I got an island in the Pacific And everything about it is terrific I got the sun to tan me, palms to fan me And on occasion a man I love my island, it's very lazy If I should ever leave it, I'd be crazy I got papayas, peaches, sandy beaches, and on occasion a man. When I go swimming, I am always dressed in style. Cause I go swimming wearing just a great big smile. My little island. Made for pleasure, and in the cool of evening, it's a treasure. And when the day grows later, what is greater than occasional Hamada Senior, Senior now, he was a drummer. He played there, he was playing there in that theater. And I was playing at Leroy's with Benny Sachs combo. You know, played jazz for dancing at the Leroy's, Club Leroy's on, on um, Nimitz Highway. On, uh, I've heard on of this one. Yes, where the Gold Bond building is. It used to be Club Leroy's, owned by Abe Lum, Mr. Lum. Yes, right, yeah. I know his son. Yeah. What are other clubs that just names that places like remember? Well, hard for me to go to remember places. places just looking here. Let's look in here. Maybe she's going to spark some memories here with this stuff. Well, wait. We have to go through this trip. Nakayama's and I worked with him. Who's that? Bass player, Japanese guy, Bill Winston. He was a black uh, leftover from uh, the army days. Good drummer. Oh yeah. Sonny Kamaka, who started the invitations. He was with the. Uh, Oh, really? I used to hang out with all of, all of that group there. Who, who was that group? Because I love Richard Cowley. Richard Cowley, you... Johnny Costello, Sonny Kamaka, Alex Kick. K? Kick. K-A-E-K. He died. I went to his funeral in California. Tell me about Richard Cowley. What do you know about him, anyway? I love Nothing his much. He's from here. Oahu. Oahu. They played piano, and he just loved to play, sing, you know, play jazz, Hawaiian song, play jazz. And he formed this group, and they sang four-part harmony. What was their group called? Richie Kauri Trio, oh. Richie Kauri Quartet. Uh-huh. He had some albums. Yeah, that's right. He did have one. I don't know. Yeah. But I have recordings of him that are not on that album that I saw. Two. So, uh, yeah. It was all swing, huh? It was all swing. Yeah. And he, he like every, and it was all Hawaiian songs that were swinging. Mm -hmm. Like Leahi, uh, Kaimanahila. Yeah. All of them were, were swinging. Yeah, because uh, swinging, but they played the melody mostly. You know what I mean? What happened was, George Chan and I, Marlene Tsai, Tom Moffitt, and this lawyer we had, we formed a, a record company called Makaha Records. We started Makaha Records. And Lena Ala Haile was our main singer. Benny Sachs was, an, was our piano player and arranger. I was on drums. I was a 
house drummer, and I forget who was on bass sometimes. It might have been Twerp. Anyway, we were the, we were the recording musicians for Makara Records, so I'm on a lot of those records. And I did some of the liner notes once in a while. Oh, and George and so would be the producer, and I would, you know. George who? Yeah, you know, George Chun. George Chun. He was the main man for, for Makara Records. So all of us, Marlene Side, Tom Moffitt, we, we own the company. And we produced 30 or 40 albums. Hawaiian too. We had Melvin Lee, we had Molly inside at the time. And it was finally when we gave up after five years, we sold it to uh, Murata, Bill Murata. Do you remember him? Oh, Bill Murata. Yeah, and he changed, from Makara Records, he changed the name to Lehua Records. That was his label, Lehua. Bill Murata. We did all those tunes in our Hawaiian girls saying, and we swung it. Benny, Benny Sachs were on, it's all swinging Hawaiian. And all the hula halals, they bought those albums because she sang tunes that they danced to. And all nice, comfortable swing tunes, you know? You know? With the, and she sang Hawaiian words, and it's really, not really swinging, but it was there. And, really. and they did hula to it? Oh, yeah, because it was in 4-4. Four, four. Anything in 4-4 four, four is a hula. One, two, three, four, you know? Beyond the reed. They sing the melody and we play the, 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 the rhythm, the jazz rhythm. See, the melody remains there, right? Yeah. And we just had the rhythm session, swung it. So right. we did So all those records that we did with Lena, Lena she was a really big seller. All oh, the halals bought it. Because yeah. for, the, for the girls to dance the hula, all swinging. The only thing that changed uh, is when they did the Hawaiian instrument with the bamboos. Uh -huh. Then it was Hawaiian. Then oh, that, yeah, that real yeah. Hawaiian olapa. Olapa beat, yeah? Mm -hmm. Outside of that, all the other songs were... You know? <laughs> No matter what kind of song he sang. And there were a lot of groups, you know, Bill Lincoln and his group, they all played Hawaiian and it was all swing, ching, ching, langa, ding, and you know, Bill Lincoln, Bill Aloha Lincoln or something. Ali like that. Iloha, yeah. 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 Oh, so man. everything was swinging at that time already. Right? You know, not real swinging jazz. They sang the melody, but the rhythm was swing. Is this when the invitations were really big? They were big. Richard Cowie first. Richard Cowie first. All these invitations, they, they sprung from that group. The Richard Cowie trio? Yeah. Sprung from that group because Johnny Costello, when Richard had to leave, you know why he had to leave, right? Huh. Dope. Oh, no. Yeah. So. Did he go to jail or something? No. They told him, you're going to leave the island. And he moved to San Francisco. That's one way of getting rid of him, yeah? So I'll, I'll be put you in jail, right? <laughs> well, gee, he moved to a great musical city, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Do you know if he kept playing? I imagine he must have, but Did the, he come you know, back? the rest of the guys were here and they, they formed their own group because they left him. They, they, no, he didn't come back. 
Oh, let me come back. And so Richard Cowley's group was like the first swing Hawaiian group. Yeah, well, Bill Kamaho during the war, he had his band that played, you know, he had ten, three saxes, the trumpet, trombone. They played, he arranged music the, to play the, the background, and while they sang the melody of the straight Hawaiian weather. Then when they did the jazz tune, you still sing, you know, satin doll, yeah, you yeah. sing the melody, the background is, is a jazz beat, you know, and then the solos are all jazz. But we were influenced by those, uh, to me, I feel, the mystics, the band, men in the service bands. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them stayed over here because Hawaii, eh? they like Hawaii. Eh? They like the girls, right? <laughs> and, you know, this, they were all playing down in Chinatown. What was the scene like in Chinatown? Well, at night, daytime is nothing, you know, just like what it is today, people shopping, doing their thing. Then at night, these certain clubs all around came to life because the musicians, they were jazz playing in all the, those clubs there. And oh. the servicemen and locals would go and listen to them. A lot of servicemen loved the jazz, right? Yeah. So they would go and watch them play. And, and man, they were good musicians though. Good good jazz musicians from the mainland and from leftovers from the, from the Army and Navy that stayed here, you know? That's what I want right now. I can't get that. I want there to be at least three good clubs I can go to. No more. Why? It's all gone. Why? Because eventually jazz moved to Waikiki. Huh? E the clubs died. Why? Don't ask me why. All I know is that because I moved to Waikiki. I was playing at the last place I played after I left the, the, the Follies was um, Haba Haba. Oh. Jack Fukuoka, whatever name he owned the club, he brought in Japanese shows. Some girl playing shamisen, some ballet dancer from Japan. And so there was a trio. George Momberg was the leader, trumpet player. Me, and he had a piano player. What's his name? That's the trio. We played for the, the girls that, from Japan that did legit, legit stuff in Club Haba Haba. Well, a couple of years. Club really? Haba Haba, yeah. And then later on it changed into a, a strip club or whatever that is, yeah? Well, we play legitimate shows from Japan. The girls were nice, clean-cut girls, and because the family, Matsuoka, Jack Matsuoka, who owned the club, whatever it is. Unreal! It's just yeah. so cool that people used to go out for that. You know, yeah. there was a oh yeah, the population would go to this club because they, they like the Japanese influence, yeah.
The reason why Arthur asked me to join him because when Martin Denny recorded his first album, he needed help in percussion because Augie Colon, all he could play was corners and bubbles and stop percussion. So he, I went and helped him play added percussion and played some drums, you know, for his recording of Exotic One. My name is not mentioned because there's only four of them supposed to be, right? So when Arthur quit two years later, he and John Kramer, the bass player, they quit at the same time. And John Kimmel was one of the leading tax, tax guy for the state tax office, you know. Very brilliant, smart man, St. Louis grant. Arthur's piano player was another Portuguese, Alan Suarez. He was another St. Louis grant, and he had a, he worked for the state highway department to build a freeway, you know. He oh, had yeah. To go, and, you know, they resigned their jobs. Good job, Dad, to come with us when Arthur said we're going to travel. State job, oh my. Yeah, and look, they made it big. <laughs> With Arthur, they made it big, man. All three of us made money. We, we had gold records galore. In fact, I still got, you know, just the other day when I came home, I still got another royalty. You got another royalty yeah, check? Look, it just came in last week. That's fantastic. I don't know what for, for whether so somebody the, use it in some form or like, advertising uh -huh. or whatever. $74. I cast the check. But I can't believe I'm still getting royalties from that, you know. From Yellowbird. Yes. You work with 60 years ago. 60 years ago. But that's one thing I like about the union, you know. They don't say anything to that. They collect the money. Yeah, you guys were just a, just world class in what world you class. did. World class, yes. Right. So it was you, Archie Grant, Arthur Lyman. Yeah, the original group was John Kramer, Alan Suarez, me and Arthur. And that's in... We went to the studio and we... We recorded like part of our show there. We did Otome Song. Kumana was a, the fast bongo solo. That's the one that I do once a night. <laughs> it, it goes for five minutes so fast, you can't see my hands. And, and that's always the last song of one of our shows. Kumana. Really? It's, on, it's on YouTube. Arthur Lyman, Harold Chang, fast bongo solo. You look oh, at okay. And Arthur played timbales. I played bongos and Alan played piano. And John played bass. But anyway, it's not about me. You want to learn about jazz, right? Well, yeah. I want to learn about the scene. That's what it really is. The scene, yeah. Well, I, when I was with Bernie Howman, you know where the police station is in Waikiki now, on the beach? That used to be the uh, nightclub that Rudy Tong owned. There was a hotel there, and I stayed in the hotel on the beach. And underneath was the beginning of the Waikiki Surf Club. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, underneath there. And then they had the merry-go-round bar on the beach where the guys would go back and guys got up, they fall down. <laughs> so the thing goes around in, in the merry-go-round bar like a mer and they're watching the surfers. David Young was the bouncer, world champion, Chinese guy, boxer. And he was the bouncer yeah, there. Yeah, bouncer there, yeah, and one punch and they're gone. The servicemen are coming. <laughs> but anyway, it was right next where the... Uh, there's a Moana. Then the next hotel, Tolzamehid, was called, what is it called? The next. The Outrigger. And then isn't that the Outrigger? That's the hotel that uh, Frank Sinatra stayed. Oh. Right next to the Moana Hotel. Hmm. 
I mean, it, what's there now is wasn't there before. Mm -hmm. when it, you know, it was a nice hotel, man. And then the beach started. Waikiki Tavern was the name of the. It was a hotel, bar, and restaurant. Rudy Tong owned that. Now it's a police station. Oh. And they had jazz. Billie Holiday, she came. I saw her. You know, she's drunk. They let her on stage. She's so doped up. You know, I went to see her. She sang there in the in the tavern. Billie Holiday. Yeah, she was a druggie, right? That's her. I what was it like? What was the performance like? What Wonderful. She all to do was sing, and make. She sang not a soul. That's what. That's what I, I, I drew me to Arthur Lyman. Because just playing with him, with the uh, Martin Denny, when I did help them, I said, "Man, this guy got some talent, you know, good." So when he came to see me two years later, he was he working at the Halekulani Hotel as a belt door, working on the front desk, and he was playing a cocktail hour there. And Alfonapaka became uh, entertainment director for Henry Kaiser. So he came to see Arthur. Arthur wanted to form a group. So that's how Arthur formed this group. You got John Kramer, original bass player, and he got uh, Alan Suarez, piano. He was a classical pianist. He was studying with Jose, somebody, good, uh, pretty good jazz player. Huh. But, I mean, he had the chops to play all that. Cause we did classical, semi-classical, jazz. I mean, we did everything, you know. And so the piano player, you see when you do, if you go on YouTube, you see uh, Kumana, you see uh, him playing the piano, really chops, man. But it. And then we had a Celeste, he played two Celeste's, a portal. I had chimes, gongs on stage, everything. We packed a lot of instruments, like a music store, you know. You go. Wow. All behind me, I had to play all of it. Sounds them. like Exotica you were playing. That's what it is. Yeah. He formed an exotic group like Martin Denny, because that was his bag. Six months before we opened, Henry Kaiser loaned us the room there at the Hawaiian village called the Tahitian Nanai. It was closed. And we rehearsed every day in there, six hours a day. We take a piece of music. Like we do Rhapsody in Blue or, or Ravel's Bolero, we practice until it's memorized. Because we didn't want to read anything, we want just concentrate and play. And that was our forte, I think. People would come and see us concentrating and playing with more soul, yeah? And that's why I love Arthur. I asked him one time, I said, Arthur, when you think, because all the women used to come in, sit like they're watching him. And I said, Arthur. When you play the vibes, he said, what are you thinking of? He says, I'm thinking that I'm making love to a woman. That's what he told me. That's all I needed to know. Because when he plays the vibes, it's magical. Magical.
Sabu was our first album was big because what happened was High Fidelity was the only thing happening there, and Richard Vaughn was a he had a comp small company that everybody that was a purist for sound they always bought whatever he put out, and he had when he came down to see us he experimented with our group we recorded in the old aluminum dome, and he there was microphones here microphones here. Harold Allen, when you guys playing your percussion cross each other go to from one one microphone to the other. We didn't know why. Then after it, we found out when Sears were buck, pennies, they used that as a sample. Guys <laughs> thought it was stereo, but not stereo. High fidelity, but guys, guys listening when they when they buying their stereo, they couldn't believe the sound going from one to the other, you know? Richard Vaughn did that, very smart man. And this was before stereo came. So that's why high fidelity. We recorded in high fidelity later on, they did it in stereo. And that's how it happened. But then he had Exotica. Yeah. It didn't take off as, as fast as Arthur's Exotica. Arthur was faster than him. What happened was, when Arthur came to see me, I was playing with Pearson Thaw at the Royal Hawaiian Hotel. He had a tenor band, Pearson Thaw, the great cotton peanut on the mainland. And he had a nice band that played, we call it society music for the rich, you know, in the monarch room playing. Do we do that? It's a form of jazz, but real wicked thing, yeah? Mm. But nice, he had a tenor band. Mm. So I played there 8 to 12. Then from 1 to 3, I was at the Gimbasha with Ernie Washington. Oh. Played to 3 o'clock in the morning. And he came to see me there. He says, Harold, I'm going to phone my own voice. I want you to play with me. I says, well, okay. I says, well, I got two jobs, man. I got making good money, yeah? He says, you make me an offer. He made me offer I couldn't refuse. I quit the two jobs, and I started January 2nd, 1958 with him. And we rehearsed for six months before that at, at the village, all four of us, every day. The guys were still with the tax office and stuff, but they would take off from work and rehearse until we rehearse everything, memorize everything, do the job. That's why, you know, none of us have ever been sick I've never been sick in 18 years without the Lyman. Because if I was sick, who would take my place? Because everything is in here. You understand? Every song is rehearsed and memorized, and we could play with more feeling, you know? That must have been such a gig. Shell yeah. Bar, Shell Hilton Hawaiian Village, packed every Exotica night. Band. Packed every night. Six nights a week, packed. And we did Hawaiian Eye television series, right? How did you guys hit? Taboo. Yeah, how did how did Taboo, why why would Americans like that? Well, I think uh, recording-wise, because this guy recorded us the way I told you he did it, yeah? That's one of the things that sold us, too. But then to hear, because to hear the bird calls from here, bird call, we did bird calls, too, you know, once, you know, we do two or three on set, the rest is all good music, jazz, mostly jazz. But anyway, if you pick through that, it's all kind of stuff in it. Hey, no kidding. And all the different stages, yeah. L2, L3. Hawaii Jazz Timeline. Wow, that's crazy. Okay. Oh, yeah, Kojak. See? Yeah, Kojak. There was a blue note. I remember that. I mean, did Honolulu feel like it was on the circuit of some great musicians? Yeah, because when they started bringing like Dave Brubeck in to play at a small club called the Zebra Club, which is a, which is a nice club. It was a dive, you know, it was a nice club. He moved to Waikiki and that, that's when it became more, uh, where more people can go. Because eh? a lot of people don't like go hotel suite. Eh? I mean, I'm talking about the majority of the people. I know, but nobody likes to go Waikiki. No, I before it was popular. Not like now. Before, in Waikiki, you know, you see all these buildings, look at the buildings there. I played in Waikiki at the Kailani Hotel and at the Waikiki Tavern before any of the other high-rises were built. All the lids was bungalows down below. Oh. 
I remember when I walking on the Calico Avenue, there's bushes here, and then there's a cottage there, the cottage there, you know? Those were the days, man. And when they built the Kailani, it was the tallest building hotel in, in across from the Moana, 12 stories high. You paid them the 12th floor, they called it the Mauna Kea room. You had a guess, man, <laughs> that we opened that hotel, Bernie Hellman and I. Bernie, Conception, Harold Chang, Manny Quizon, basically, and Sonny Kamaka. Sonny Kamaka, who used to be with the Richard Cowie and stuff like that, he, he, he was our guitar player. Oh, man. You know, what were you playing through, like, the 80s? Where were you? In the 80s, I played, I, when I left Arthur Lyman in the s 1970 is when I left Arthur Lyman. I quit Arthur Lyman. So how many I years were you with him? 18. 18 years? Yeah. You know why? Because I'm listening to you when you talk about certain places because whenever people go by Century Center they're going to know that there was this club in Gimbasha, there. The kind Gimbasha. Of Gimbasha. Yeah. I never went there. I don't remember it. Well, you're still young. <laughs> but I'm in my 90s. <laughs> <laughs> you make me feel pretty like, okay, this can be done. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. This can be done. I've encouraged a lot of people. Yeah. Can I look at this stuff? Yeah, you can take it on and look through it. Okay. Okay. You're going to find that very interesting in there about jazz in Hawaii. Local Toto Masala, Al Bang, you know. Who? Al Bang, great Al saxophone player, alto saxophone player before Gabe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And all those names, a lot of them, 90%, they passed away already. All the jazz musicians, we had good jazz musicians. Ooh, Harold was talking about Gabe Baltazar. Look him up. Oh, the riches we've had in Honolulu's music scene. Thanks so much, Harold, who is doing really well, guys. Wish we had a recording of a group he put together maybe about seven years ago. Chang Dynasty. <laughs> Mahalo to Kit, Perry Coma Ebersbach, Fluid Floyd Kendall. They're Don Tiki, often with Abe Lagrimas on Vibes. Nice job. We heard guitarist Alika Lyman swinging, and his uncle, Arthur Lyman, takes us out with this witty pairing here. Manu O'o, about the native Hawaiian O'o, bird, and <laughs> that other bird. See you in a couple weeks. <laughs> Stay in touch.